When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now on FM 1071. Well, good morning. Welcome. 210-599-5555 is the number. It is the 29th of September, and there is massive flooding in some parts of Florida this morning. We are going to go live to Florida to my friends out there that I have known for many, many years. And I want to get an update, one in uh, Lakeland, Florida, and the other down in Fort Myers, Florida. I've known these guys for over a decade. And I believe that they have had just, particularly in Fort Myers, John Hayward has had a really tough go of it. So that's coming up. Massive, massive flooding in uh, the wake of this storm inside of people's homes and inside of businesses. There are homes that are full of water right now. Cars that have been washed away. Some cars remain, and you can see just basically the top of the cars. The storm surge was for real. Power? Well, it's out to approximately 2.5 million people. In fact, I've got a video on my Facebook page, and anybody can watch my Facebook stuff, even if we're not officially friends. You can still go to my Facebook page and see what the deal is. I got a picture. I got a video there, and there is a shark swimming in the streets, a shark in the streets of Fort Myers, Florida. It's on my Facebook page. Check it out. Uh, now it's a tropical storm, approximately 65-mile-per-hour winds. It's down southeast of Orlando, and it's headed out into the Atlantic. Now it gets uh, very interesting from here. Ian is going to be go, go down in history as one of the top five hurricanes to hit the United States. It's tied at number four currently. Now, North Florida is going to be dealing with a storm surge soon because you've heard me say it over and over again, that counterclockwise rotation of these storms. So while it went on there in just about the Fort Myers area, right, and that counterclockwise motion was bringing a lot of storm surge into the area that was hit so hard by Charlie a few years ago, now as it goes across the state and out into the Atlantic again, Jacksonville, Gainesville area, those places, those are the areas that are going to have to be concerned about storm surge now, particularly Jacksonville. Gainesville is more like the center part of the state. Uh, Because that counterclockwise motion, now it's going to be dragging the Atlantic, not the Gulf of Mexico water, but the Atlantic water into Jacksonville, Florida. And then, as I've been telling you for several days, it looks like the track is going to take it on up to Carolinas, uh, probably South Carolina, and then all all across to the Appalachian uh, Mountains and it won't be an issue for us at all. Homes have been swept away. Boats are floating down streets in some portions of Florida right now, and as I said, the big deal is power is out. I just uh, watched ABC's Justin Finch, uh, and he did a story from there 
running a statement from Joe Biden, but not one word from Governor Ron DeSantis. Not one. Well, I got to tell you, as I predicted on this show, and I predicted it on Where in Rima, the media is going to go hard at Ron DeSantis. The media is going to go hard at him because 2024 is coming and the media works for the Democrat Party. The media is nothing but a propaganda machine for the Democrat Party, and they're already trying to get at Ron DeSantis. I've been telling you for the past couple of days, I'm the one who brought these stories in to you. I've been telling you for the past couple of days about how they've been saying this is karma for what DeSantis did, flying the illegals in. You know, there are people on their station saying they're not prepared in Florida. Florida's not prepared. And now you've got ABC and other networks saying, well, Joe Biden is doing it all. Joe Biden is doing it all. Joe Biden is here to rescue Florida. The federal response is unbelievable. Uh, Dan Rather, what a freaking loser. What a freaking loser. Joe uh, or Dan Rather is the last time I saw Dan Rather he was sitting not 10 feet right over there all by his lonely self nobody wanted to talk to him and I certainly didn't want to why because he made up the news for years he is a liar well Dan Rather said you know the, the, the federal response will not have any uh, airplanes full of illegal aliens that's for sure what an idiot I want to tell you something about this I have people, a lot of people, a lot of friends and business connections in Florida. As you well know, Nancy and I own a, uh, a uh, travel company, and she, that girl has been working her tail off because we have a lot of clients that are in the Orlando area right now. And uh, I can tell you with having all those contacts down there that to a person in Florida who is a long-term, you know, they're all long-term Floridians, and they have been through many of these storms, to a person, they have never seen a state more or better prepared, their state. And I've never seen any state more or better prepared, including our own. Governor Ron DeSantis pre-positioning tens of thousands of linemen ready to restore power as soon as they can get to it. Governor Ron DeSantis pre-positioned generators at all senior living facilities Every one of them, 100% of them, had a generator pre-positioned there by Governor Ron DeSantis' people. He even thought of pre-positioning mobile cell phone towers. Who thinks about doing that? Pre-positioned mobile cell phone towers so that people could continue to communicate in the middle of this. Meanwhile, let me tell you what Joe Biden is doing. Joe Biden is at the White House talking to a dead woman. Governor Ron DeSantis is in Florida dealing with the problems in Florida. He's done a phenomenal job getting Florida ready. Joe Biden at the White House yesterday looking for a dead woman. I want to thank all of you here including bipartisan elected officials like Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie. Jackie, are you here? I, I, I think she was going to be here. Jackie, where are you? Jackie, are you here? Joe Biden was talking about Jackie Walorski, Republican from Indiana. She was killed two months ago in a car crash. Two months ago. 
And two months ago, Joe Biden sent a statement out saying we're so mourn the death and the loss of Jackie Walorski. After it happened, Corinne Jean-Pierre came to the podium and tried to clean it all up, saying bizarre nonsense, as she always does, that Joe Biden was naming the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. No, he was asking her, where are you, Jackie? Why aren't you here? Where are you? Jackie, Jackie, where are you? Why aren't you here? Jean-Pierre saying she was on his mind. She was top of mind of the president. Now, I'm going to go through a little bit later on all the stuff and all the gaps that they've had to come back and repair. But my friend Stephen Portnoy of CBS Radio raised the topic after ABC's Cecilia Vega did and CNN's Phil Mattingly, asking Jean-Pierre yesterday, was the president confused? Was something written in the teleprompter that he didn't recognize? Portnoy says, I'm trying to find out what happened here. Basically giving Corinne Jean-Pierre the opportunity to say, yeah, the prompter messed up, or, you know, some sort of excuse, you know, throwing her a lifeline. But her response was indignant. She was pissed. She said, you're jumping to a lot of conclusions. If that had been the case, I would have said that. What I said was, she was on his mind, and he's going to see her family in a couple of days. Portnoy then said, uh, wait a minute, hold on. Are you going to release Biden's prepared script so we'll understand how this occurred? Jean-Pierre said, what? That has nothing to do with anything. I just answered the question about her being top of mind. I don't think this is unusual. Do, do you go around asking dead people to talk to you? Jean-Pierre continued, I feel like many of us have gone through that particular time where someone is top of mind and you call them out, not somebody who's dead. I'll get personal for just a second. Let me just get personal, okay? Both of my parents are dead and both of my, both of my children are dead. I think about them every minute of every day. There is not a second that goes by that my parents, and particularly my children, are not top of mind. They are, all day, every day. Every day. But I never walk around saying, Justin, are you here? Where are you? Rebecca, where are you? I don't. I realize where they are. They're with Jesus. Matt Viser of the Washington Post told Jean-Pierre, the confusing part is, why, if Wolarski and the family are top of mind, does the president think she's living and in the room? Jean-Pierre, I don't find that confusing at all. <laughs> you don't find it confusing that the man wants to talk to a dead woman? <laughs> really? You don't think that's confusing? She continued, I mean, I think many people can speak to sometimes when they have someone top of mind. They're top of mind exactly that. It's top of mind, you know? It happened at an event where he was calling out the champions, congressional champions in particular, of this issue, top of mind. Well, Corrine, this is what you say. And, of course, Jackie Walorski played an incredible part in all of this. And as we all know, we think about her often. We pray for her family often as we lost her just two months ago. And her contribution to what we're talking about today will live on forever. 
she has left a wonderful legacy with this bill. That's what you say. You don't say, Jackie, where are you? Why aren't you talking to me? Newsmax reporter James Rosen said, Kareen, I have John Lennon top of mind just about every day, but I'm not looking for him anywhere. <laughs> she said, when you sign a bill for John Lennon as president, then we can have that conversation. EWTN reporter Owen Jensen said, well, why not just apologize? Al Jazeera's Kimberly Halkett took up the matter and went straight for a, for a straight answer. She said, these moments of confusion are happening with increased frequency. Americans are watching this and they're having concerns. What do you say to that? This is a legitimate question. We need to have some answers. Jean-Pierre ignored her. She called on somebody else. Then that reporter continued said, we were asking about the mental acuity of the president. It's not your turn to speak, said Jean-Pierre. You're being rude. Wow. You're being rude, not answering the question, said the reporter. You're yelling over your colleagues, so this is incredibly rude, yelled Jean-Pierre. Can we have an answer to the substantive question here, though? A Post reporter then asked. Top of mind is not an answer, they said. By the way, Jean-Pierre and her aides routinely ask journalists to submit questions in advance, and they avoid calling on certain outlets, so this is what they were doing yesterday. Let me just bring all this home, all right, and then we'll take the break. <clears throat> First of all, you hear me talk about the problems that Joe Biden has mentally. It is time for this country, it's way past time for this country to have an adult conversation about the President of the United States and his lack of mental capabilities at this point in his life. You can call it whatever you want to call it. You can call it dementia. You can call it Alzheimer's. I don't care how you diagnose it, but the man has serious mental issues. That he is the president of the United States of America, and people are looking to him, and he is not only an, embar an embarrassment, but he's a threat to our nation. The president is a threat. And one more thing. What would you think would be going on today, this very minute, on all these news channels that surround me in this room? If Donald Trump were standing at that podium yesterday looking for John McCain, John, John, you were the greatest senator ever. You were a wonderful senator. Where are you, John? John, where are you? Stand up, John. Let me recognize you. John, why don't you come up here and say a word? John, where are you? Where are you, John? You know that if Donald Trump was doing that, asking for John McCain, he would have been impeached that day. He would have been impeached yesterday afternoon. Adam Penselneck would have, you know, Jerry Nads, Pelosi, they all would have had an impeachment committee. And today, on every one of these channels surrounding my head in this room, every shrink in America would be interviewed on every channel. George Snuffleupagus, he would be the A-list on ABC's Good Morning America this morning, talking about, let me uh, just ask you, sir, uh, Mr. Dr. So-and-so, Mr. Whodunit, tell me about Donald Trump's particular state of mind when he's talking to dead people. Not a freaking word from any of them. Back in a minute, Trey Ware, KTSA. Hi. KTSA.com. Get it, boys. You know what I'm looking for. Mm. That's right. 
right, a little band from Texas, ZZ Top 525 at KTSA. Let's go to Lakeland, Florida. My good brother, Ross Alexander, you heard him at this time yesterday. Want to find out how things are in Lakeland, which is halfway between Tampa and Orlando. The storm right now is a tropical storm southeast of Orlando headed out into the Atlantic. How are things where you are, Ross? Uh, they're they're doing much better than they were a little while ago, you know. <laughs> I think the uh, for the most part the rain has pretty much tapered off. We still have uh, some pretty serious wind gusts, tropical storm force winds. So uh, other than that, uh, I think we survived another one. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I, I walked around outside earlier just seeing if I could see any damage with my flashlight, looking around at the neighbors, and and uh, really doesn't look like a whole lot for us, even though we did have you know 70 mile per hour winds overnight. So. Um, However, obviously, you know, we have been without power since about 1230. So, um, and I, you know, there's, there's so many that are, I mean, I don't, uh, Hope's been talking to her family as well. And, and, and we don't have anybody that we've talked to that, that still has power. So. And where, where is her family? They're all here in the Lakeland area. Okay. They're in the Lakeland area. And then, you know, my daughters, they, you know, our daughters live in Brandon area. So. And it's, that's a little closer to Tampa, but they're they're without power also. Mm. It seems to me that's the biggest thing so far. Of course, with it being dark, we can't assess. Nobody's been able to really assess the damage so far. I know that people sure. are you know you know waiting to get out in places like Fort Myers. It was hit uh, obviously the hardest. What did you experience though when the storm came close to you? Because it came right by the Orlando area. It did. Um, at one point, I think we were about 50 miles or 48 miles or something from the from the the storm itself. At that point, it was just um, just constant roar. It, it almost sounds like uh, almost sounds like one of my wife's cats. <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounded like um, like it was just um, almost like what you what you would. Uh, uh, consider like the train, you yep. know, they, they consider being a tornado or mm-hmm. such. And, uh, so, you know, we paid pretty close attention to that. Didn't get a whole lot of sleep overnight. We pretty much took turns, uh, watching around and making sure nothing happened. So you were uh, telling but, me earlier uh, that you, you have a generator. It's, you've been through these enough times where you're pretty much prepared like that. And, and a lot of Floridians, you know, one of the big problems yeah. right now is the, you guys have, have had the uh, New York invasion. We, we had the California invasion and you guys have had the New York invasion. A lot of New Yorkers <laughs> have moved down there and, uh, yeah. and, and they're, they're just not prepared like, you know, Floridians are long time Floridians. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that, um, uh, goodness, you know, this is a, this is a prime time. If I was in the generator sales business, yeah. I mean, uh, good Lord, I'd, I'd make my retirement, but, um, yeah, so many people come down here and, and you're not prepared. And, you know, for the most part for us, uh, we're prepared to the point that it's not necessarily, you know, uh, people think, you know, you're crazy if you're a prepper, that's not what it's about. It's right. not about doomsday. It's about, you know, the power going out, sure. it's, you know, it's about losing electricity. So, right. You know, still being able to feed yourself and your family, and right. you know, yeah. take care of yourself. So, well, and you have plenty of water out back with about twenty-two thousand gallons in a hole in the ground. <laughs> you can get into. But anyway, okay. So you you guys are fine, and as you know, most of the area is okay right now. There's some flooding in the streets, but uh, other than that, yeah. power is out, and it's out to about two and a half million Floridians. But we have been told with yeah. nearly fifty thousand linemen, you guys are going to be back with power here in a day or so, maybe even sooner than that. Hopefully, so that'll be great. Yeah, yeah. And until then, I mean, we'll we'll be on generator power. I pretty much have everything shut off in my breaker panel because I don't want to put any linemen at risk. Sure. That's um, great. Good for you. So, um, 
you know, other than that, we just, uh, you know, we run on propane, so I'm not running around chasing gas, you know. So uh, right. other other than that, we're we're in good shape. All right, brother. All right, stay safe, and we'll, yep. we'll stay in contact, all right? Okay. All right, talk to you Take later. Care, That's Ross Alexander over in Lakeland, Florida, halfway between Tampa and Orlando with another update for us. We do have John Hayward scheduled. He's in Fort Myers. We hope that he's going to be able to join us at 635. So back in a minute, Trey Ware, KTSA. This- All right, 537 at 550 KTSA FM 1071. The Trey Ware page, KTSA.com. Just type in my name in your browser, Trey, T-R-E-Y, KTSA. It'll put it up for you. Great content. I'll have a new video up there in just a few minutes, okay? All right. So, Ian. Ian, Ian, Ian. Massive flooding throughout the state of Florida. They have homes in certain areas where the most intense parts of the uh, storm went through, full of water. They have cars that were washed away. They have boats on the streets now, floating down streets. Power out to approximately 2.5 million. There's close to 50,000 or so linemen ready to climb the poles and get the power back on. I've got a video on my Facebook page of a shark swimming in the streets of Fort Myers, Florida. You can see it on my Facebook page. And now, we don't have to be like official friends and all this stuff. I got it open to everybody. Just go over and check it out. Now, Ian is a tropical storm after tying for fourth place for one of the top five hurricanes, powerful hurricanes to hit the United States. And Ian is over just southeast of Orlando, headed toward the Atlantic right now. And then uh, when it gets out of the Atlantic, it's going to cause a mess for our friends up in Jacksonville, Florida. North Florida going to be dealing with storm surge soon because of the counterclockwise uh, rotation. Homes have been swept away in some portions of Florida. As I said, cars floating down the streets. Let's visit with now on the Stevens Roofing Newsmaker Hotline. Helen Torres is joining us here on KTSA. She evacuated with her parents uh, in Orlando uh, Helen, good morning. My name is Trey, and thank you very much for coming on the show. Hey, good morning, Trey. Thank you for having me. So what's going on with you guys right now? Are you in Orlando? Yeah, so we're actually in Orlando by Lake Buena Vista, staying at a hotel. And today, this morning, overnight, there was a lot of wind and rain, and then this morning it's still just ripping. So we're under some tornado warning. So it's just kind of hunkering down for another day here. The storm itself, the center of it, is just southeast and going to be heading out into the Atlantic. That's the latest tracking that we have uh, on Ian right now, down to a tropical storm. Uh, when you guys uh, felt the strongest part of it earlier this morning or overnight, uh, what was it like? It was just a lot, just a lot of rain hitting the windows, and just you hear the wind just ripping. Like it's just, it's hard to explain just the noise of it. Um, so you know, we just kept trying to stay away from the windows and just trying to like not think about it trying to keep ourselves cool and you know parents are elderly so we try to keep them calm so that's really all you can do at this time and we're blessed that we're in a hotel that we didn't lose power so you know we've been very very fortunate my heart goes out to everybody down in Fort Myers you know that they were not expecting that yeah well and, and we- us in Tampa Bay we lucked out 100 percent you know we breathe a sigh of relief so. Yeah, yeah. I, I have friends down in Fort Myers, and we're trying to contact them now. I, I was t- uh, um, texting with them overnight, and it's we lost contact. So I'm hoping that everybody is okay there. But we have not had any damage ex- assessments, obviously, because it's still dark, and, and nobody's been able to get down the streets and see exactly what's happened uh, down there. And uh, Tampa was really spared a lot of this. There was a big fear at the beginning of this that Tampa was going to get hit with major storm surge. But with it going in down in Fort Myers, Tampa was saved a lot of the uh, 
buy a lot of that. I have friends over in Lakeland who say that their power is out. But other than that, pretty much what you described is said it sounded like a like a big train going through the middle of their living room all night. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I've never experienced that. You know, and I lived in Puerto Rico for many years, and I've lived here in Florida for 17 years now, and this is the first storm that I think I've heard it that bad. So, it, you know, it's definitely scary. Yeah. There's a lot of people that uh, went to, you know, Orlando in the center of the state like you did to try to get away from the coastline. Um, that's pretty much what people do when they try to evacuate and stay, you know, pretty close as they go to the center of the state. Um, and being there in Orlando, of course, Disney World's been closed, the airport is closed and all that for obvious reasons. Um, how long do you think it's going to be or when will you try to get back to Tampa Bay? We are going to try, depending on what happens today, I know there's like some flash photo warnings and like I said, some tornado warnings. So I think that goes through after lunchtime so then we're just kind of going to assess and maybe leave tomorrow like you know 2 a.m or something try to avoid the traffic going back because that's also the problem we're going to run into is it took me four and a half hours to get here on tuesday afternoon i left at 11 15 in the morning and i got here like four o'clock oh, so wow. now the problem is like going back everybody's going to be going back so it's like when do we leave like we don't want to leave too soon and be caught in the on the interstate with the rain and the wind so then we don't want to leave too late where you're stuck and with everybody else well and on normal circumstances i4 in the orlando area is no fun anyway on a normal day exactly (laughs) exactly right (laughs) if anybody's here listening and has been to orlando you know that been there a hundred times and i i know the area extremely well and uh yeah it's you're you're wise for making an all-night trip to get back to your home did did they you know we do this and you're from san antonio right I'm from, well, originally from Panama, but I lived in San Antonio for a couple of years, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we have a, a route, for, you know, for the people down in Corpus and along the coast. They switch. When there's a problem, they'll switch 37 uh, to northbound only, so all the lanes will be northbound. Did they do that with I-4 to get you guys out of the Tampa area? No. Well, at the time that I came, they did not. At the time that my husband was coming to Orlando, they did open, like, the left shoulder Right. to help with traffic. But I don't believe they opened the other side of I-4. They just opened the left shoulder. And so that he actually made it in like two hours. Oh, wow. So yeah. that and, helped out. And that's lot. normally less than an hour, right? It's like 50, 55 minutes usually. Um, it's usually about like a little over an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I drive a little bit faster. <laughs> You've got a heavy I've, made, I've made it. Yeah, I've made it in 50 minutes. Okay. Uh, I'm so glad you guys are well and that you're getting ready to head back home in a day or so. Helen Torres is in Orlando right now with her uh, family in a hotel. And I appreciate your time this morning, Helen. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come right back. Trey Ware, KTSA. Her hotline. Well, you picked a fine day to split and go to Houston on us. Yes, you. (laughs) Who else am I looking at over there? (laughs) Yeah. On Hurricane Day, National Hurricane Day, when, you know, the biggest storm to hit Florida in forever. Yeah. And uh, we used to hang it out over in Houston. Yeah. Down close to the bayou down there, chasing the alligators over in the hoot down there. <laughs> yeah, they will put that in a boat over there, I guarantee yeah. you. Didn't see any alligators. Did see plenty of scary things, but none were alligators. Well, so. can we just tell the story briefly about why you saw scary things? It was the concert that right. you took I, your I, children I, to. My, my daughters, yes. uh, they love this band, uh, My Chemical Romance. Yeah. <laughs> 
That sounds like a drug band to me. Yeah, yeah my well, chemical you know, romance. Maybe I, I don't really know a whole lot about them. You know, I, I've I've listened to some of the song. You know, when we're in the car together, they'll play some of the music. For <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. You know, and it, it's fine. You know, they like it. I don't sure. know if, if they like it, it's good for them. Yeah. You know, rock and roll is rock and roll, right? And so they wanted to go to the show, and it was originally supposed to happen in 2020, and of course it was postponed. Uh-huh. Sure. And then, and then it was postponed again, and then they finally got uh, to the, where they were able to go uh, we- uh, Tuesday night. And so I I went there with them. Sure. Um, and I was going. Uh, George and I were going to watch the grandkids right. while the girls went to the show. So I I walked them to the Toyota Center. Uh huh. Yeah, and they're you know they're both capable of getting there themselves. Sure. Both, you know, in their twenties, one manages a restaurant, the other has kids, and so they're totally. But it doesn't a- matter. They're still your girls. Exactly. They're, oh, you know? you know they're gonna be forty-five and be your girls. You're gonna be with a walker. I'm gonna yeah. take you down there, honey. Right? Wa- yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I walked them up. It's about half a mile or so, and I walked them up to the. It was a beautiful night, um, and I and I walked them to the arena, and I I watched to make sure they get to where they're supposed to be, and I begin to walk back. Well, as I turn around to walk back. Um, other people who were going to the show started popping up from alleyways and uh-huh. parking lots and between buildings, or whatever. And it was, it was like this sea of black leather eyeliner and uh, fishnets and, and, everywhere and you look. Piercings and, and tattoos. Piercings, you know, uh, tat- you know the tattoos. They, they just looked like they were prepared to have a good time or go to war. The, I goth, wasn't sure. the goth crowd. Yeah. Yeah, right. You know, and I'm walking around <laughs> look, <laughs> looking like I always do. Sure. You know? <laughs> like a white out, bald headed white out. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And uh, looking around like, man, things have changed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I ended up at a concert like that one night. Yeah. Uh, I, I went to, a, we were hosting an event. And we were staying downtown while we were hosting the event because we weren't allowed to leave. So they got us hotel rooms down there, and there was an event, a concert like that around the corner. And one of the people at the station said, hey, well, let's go over there. Let's go check this thing out. And I said, okay. So we walked in this place, man, and it was weird. Yeah. I mean, you know, the stuff that was going on and the band right. that was you know, loud, fire pots, you know. And yeah. that's all I could think about was, the, the, the was it Great White and the fire that happened there? Yeah, on uh, Rhode Island. Yeah, that's sure. all I could think about man yeah. was this little joint was going to burn down because they were lighting off all this pyrotechnics and yeah. people with hardly anything on and those that had stuff on had a white face and black hair and i mean you know everything it was kind was of pre- the same thing yeah, yeah yeah and i said you know i was there for about five minutes and i said you know <laughs> you know it's uh, gonna be an early call tomorrow yeah. morning to be over at the convention center i'm gonna leave i'll not, see you guys later not really my scene you but. know all i could think about was the front page of the paper and Jeannie Jacob wear at this, you know, concert. It's <laughs> a weirdo concert, yeah. rock and roll thing. Right. And they were doing some weird stuff. You know, yeah. I won't even talk about it on the radio. I but. Went to, I've been to a couple of fish festivals with the band Fish. Yeah, right. right. Oh, oh man, yeah. Well, and, we, uh, I, I played Boogie on Reggae Woman as a bumper. Remember? Oh, they're great. Yeah, I love the band. And right. I, you know, I've never. I this was probably '97. Uh-huh. They did this big festival up in Northern Maine, and I was. We were there broadcasting. We had this big camper trailer in the backstage area, and um, I was walking out to the uh, the concert area, which was it's basically at the end of an old abandoned mm-hmm. Air Force runway. Um, so it's quite a walk, and we're walking along. And and they op- just as I was walking up to to get to the other side of the fence to interview some people who were there, they open up the the gates and all these people are coming. And I'm noticing that the longer I walk, that the less clothing people are oh, wearing. Oh yeah, right. And, and there's like this trail of clothing, <laughs> clothing <laughs> all the way along. And I turned to look behind me, and everybody's naked. Yeah, well. <laughs> 
And I'm thinking, well, you know what? This might be a bad idea, but <laughs> that was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> reminds me of my first uh, Willie Nelson Fourth of July picnic. Yeah, and everyone uh, was naked and high. Well, I was about ten, and yeah. I'd never been around anything like that. We went, you know, and Dad always took us to those kind of things. He and Willie were friends, so yeah. I mean, you know, we went in our motorhome and. Uh, and and my brother, I think he was 13 and I was 10, and we decided to go walking around the crowd a little bit, right. just the two of us, 13-year-old yep. and 10-year-old. We're walking around a Willie Nelson thing, and Leon Russell's there, and Waylon's there. I mean, they're all there. Was, I think it might have been his first one that he did. And we're <laughs> walking around, and the first thing I see is a guy in overalls with a jug of Jack Daniels on his shoulder, drinking it. I mean, just shooting this jug of Jack Daniels. <laughs> shooting it. Shooting it. And I went, wow, that's weird, you know, whatever. And he has nothing on underneath the overalls. He's yeah. got it bare-chested underneath the overalls. But speaking of bare-chested, I started to notice a lot of the women were that way, right. you know. And yeah. I was 10. And I was yeah. like, hey, wait a minute. This isn't right. And then there was this weird odor in the air that I'd never <laughs> smelled before. I have smelled it many times since every concert that I went to. But yeah. That's not mom's you know, homemade bread. No, I had no there. idea no. what that was. I had to go back and I asked mom, mom what that was. Yeah. I said, first, and I confessed everything. I said, first of all, mom, some dude's shooting Jack Daniels out straight out the bottle. Mm-hmm. She said, yeah, honey, you're going to see that. And I said, well, then there's women down there and they don't have tops on they don't have any clothes on mama she said yeah that's, that's true that's too bound to happen. <laughs> so, and, I, and i said what's that weird smell she said don't worry about that honey yeah. <laughs> you don't need to know about the, that the conversation stopped there <laughs> it was over trey, trey left the, the backstage area as an innocent 10 year old came back as the most jaded 16 year old you'd ever seen in your life you know and, and I, i've known willie all those years I, I mean we're not great friends or anything but i've talked to him off and on yeah, throughout right. all those years yeah, you know and, willie's willie Willie is Willie. That's his deal. You know, Sean calls me Archie because I'm so I've been so straight laced all my life. You know, I broke out a little bit about a decade or so ago. I decided to see what else was out there in life. You know, yeah. but I never got. I never went down the drug line. It just none of that's ever interested me. Right. But, but when I was a kid and first exposed to all that, we we actually did one of those concerts at Pan American Speedway in the infield one time with Willie and Jerry Jeff and Wade and all those guys in the infield there. Oh, great. And I had to clean up the infield. I think I was about 10 augie was there and there were several others doug and i had to clean up the infield after it was over with and man i found the strangest stuff in that <laughs> infield <laughs> wow what's this you know yeah. i just put it all in a in a bag and took the stuff that i didn't know what it was and i took it to my dad and i poured out the bag i said what is all this stuff he said no you don't want to know yeah, don't touch it uh, yeah well that was the thing <laughs> i wore gloves that's for yeah, sure gloves up to his shoulders oh yeah, yeah baby all right, we'll take a quick break. On the other side, more on. We just had to take a you know just a side road from all the the flooding information and all that that's going on in Florida. But as we kick off the next hour, I'll have all that for you. And going back to the White House yesterday, and what happened with Joe Biden and a dead woman? Joe Biden and a dead woman. That's coming up. Trey Ware, KTSA. Here we go. September twenty ninth. Wake me up. September's almost over. Massive flooding in uh, parts of Florida this morning. We don't know exactly how much damage and where the damage is located. We do know the storm went ashore yesterday as a Cat 4. Could be upgraded even this point to a Cat 5, even though it's not going to regain the strength of a Cat 5. But they're going to go back and look and see if those storm winds, because the official numbers they had yesterday were 155. 
But if it gets to 158, it's a cat five. There's a possibility in a couple of those places it did get to 158. So they may go back and reclassify it as a cat five. It doesn't matter. It was very destructive. It was extremely strong in the Fort Myers area and down south of Fort Myers. That's where a lot of really nice homes are. Some wealthy people live in that area. Um, and there's been a lot of people that have moved to that area from, say, New York and other states as well uh, recently. That's the area that was impacted the most by this, but the storm was so large. It's about the size of the entire state of Ohio. Think about that for a minute. That when it moved across the Fort Myers area, power was knocked out. Tremendous amount of flooding happened. Uh, Homes and businesses and buildings in that area were either taken off their foundations that are now floating or they're full of water right now. There were boats, of course, that were uh, moored there. Those are now in the streets. They're just kind of floating around. I have a video this morning on my Facebook page. If you want to see it, you can go over and take a look at it, of a shark swimming up a street in Fort Myers, Florida. So this is what they're dealing with. We're talking about very deep floodwaters with a, a huge amount of rain and, of course, storm surge that was brought on shore by Ian. Now, Ian has moved across the center part of the state, and currently Ian is just southeast of Orlando and headed toward the Atlantic, uh, right up through Daytona Beach, uh, over the speedway there, where uh, that is a staging area for a lot of first responders. But Ian is now down to a tropical storm with winds of about 60 to 65 miles per hour, going to go out into the Atlantic. And that's going to be an issue for Jacksonville because with that counterclockwise rotation, that's going to bring water into Jacksonville. And then it's going to move on up and probably in northern part of Georgia and into South Carolina, Gainesville, and places like that. And then it's going to go over and, uh, into the Appalachian Mountains. And uh, people now are starting to get outside a little bit in the hardest-hit areas of Florida. Uh, I've spoken with friends in the Lakeland area, Ross and Hope and, and the families there. I spoke with a, a lady this morning who is in Orlando, evacuated. She lives in Tampa but evacuated to Orlando with her elderly parents. What they described happened there when it came through their area in the overnight hours was just a loud roar like a train coming through their home for a long time. Power outages now. And they got power outages to about 2.5 million people throughout the state of Florida so far. Uh, Damage assessments have not really been done because, of course, it's been dark and seeing what's going on in the middle of the night is, is hard to do. But as the sun now is coming up, Uh, over the Atlantic. You can start to see some of that over there, and we'll report that to you as soon as we get the info. Uh, But the power is out. We've got uh, now a tropical storm southeast of Orlando heading toward the Atlantic. Uh, Ian will go down as one of the top five hurricanes to hit the United States. In fact, it's tied for number four right now. And uh, with these homes being swept away and the boats floating down the street and all that, the damage has been going on. It really has been super intense. Uh, I watched ABC's Justin Finch uh, this morning doing some report on that. And this is representative of where the mainstream media is on this, running a statement during this from Joe Biden yesterday at the White House, saying that the federal government is prepared and we're going to send the assets and we'll take care of the people of Florida and so on. I predicted that this was going to happen. I said it for the past several days, that this was going to happen. And they're doing it right now. Not one word, one statement, on camera, off camera, however, from Governor Ron DeSantis. But let me tell you something about this. As much as they want to say this is karma, as much as they want to say that DeSantis didn't have the state prepared or whatever, it's all a lie coming from the propaganda media. 
I have spoken with people in that state in the past 24 hours, and actually longer than that. I know people over there. I'm very familiar with people over there, and they tell me to a person they have never seen their state more or better prepared. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Tens of thousands of linemen pre-positioned. We're right at close to 50,000 now pre-positioned. I was talking about the Daytona Speedway. A lot of them are there. A lot of assets pre-positioned to restore power right away as soon as they can get in there. Governor DeSantis pre-positioned generators at all senior living facilities, something that had never been done before. In the past, like when Charlie came through and he went through basically the same area, a lot of senior citizens died because power went out in those senior citizens' facilities. Governor DeSantis made sure that every single senior citizen facility in the state, think about how big Florida is, every one of them had a generator that was operational ready to go. And he even thought as much, too, and all the little stuff that they think about, you know, food and water delivery and all that stuff. He even thought about pre-positioning mobile cell towers in these areas so that people would not lose their cell service so they could continue to talk to their friends and family. That's the kind of thinking that Governor Ron DeSantis put into this. Meanwhile, back at the White House, Joe Biden was talking to a dead woman, asking for a dead woman. Jackie, where are you? Jackie, where are you? And I want to thank all of you here, for in- including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Now that went on. He returned back to that and continued to ask for Jackie. He was asking for Jackie Walorski, Republican from Indiana, who was killed in a car crash two months ago. Joe knew that because he sent a statement out publicly and sent a statement to the family of Congresswoman Walorski and said, I'm praying for the family every day. Now, you can imagine the storm that happened at the White House yesterday after this. With the reporter saying, uh, what's up with Joe? Jimmy, can we play this again? There's a couple of things I want to point out. First of all, his tone and his slurring of words. I don't think Joe Biden's drunk. I don't think he's, uh, t- you know, on, on any kind of recreational medication. I think Joe Biden has a serious mental issue that we need to have a serious conversation nationally about. Listen to the way he slurs his words. And I want to thank all of you here, for, including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was. She was I'll tell you here. something. If you're in law enforcement and you pulled that man over and he was talking like that, wouldn't you put him through? Wouldn't you have him touch his nose? Wouldn't you have him stand on one foot? Wouldn't you put a breathalyzer up against him? Uh Uh-huh. There's something going on, isn't there? And we've talked about it many times on this show. We've talked about it many times on Where and Rima. Now, let me tell you, as far as how this compares, and I'm going to get into in our next segment, I'm going to get into the the media's reaction, and you're going to hear Karine Jean-Pierre's stupid, stupid, ludicrous answer for this in the next segment. If Donald Trump had been standing behind that presidential seal yesterday in that podium, looking around that room, bewildered, why, where is John? John McCain, where are you? John, where's John? Somebody, 
Where's John? I guarantee you two things. First of all, he would have been impeached by 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon because Pencil Neck and all of them would have impeached him. But second of all, every shrink in America would be on every news channel this morning being interviewed by all these people about how is Donald Trump able to be the president? Why haven't they exercised the 25th Amendment? And we don't have to make a guess at this because, remember, for the entire four years that Donald Trump was president, the media and the Democrats pushed for that every day. Every day they were pushing Mike Pence and other members of the cabinet to exercise the 25th Amendment to remove this man. Why? Because he used two hands to hold his water and drink his water with two hands. Oh, my God, can you believe that? Um, uh, Dr. Hoodoo-doo-doo, let me ask you a question, sir. Uh, why is Donald Trump holding his glass with two hands? Well, it probably means he has a mental capability of a midget at this point because he doesn't know how to hold a glass correctly. Uh, that's definitely a decline. As you get older, we see older people in the old folks' homes holding their glasses of water with both hands, and that's definitely where Donald Trump is now. I remember those conversations that they were having on the channels. You know what conversation they're having now? Nada. Nada. They're not talking about this at all. We have a president that absolutely does not have the mental capabilities at this point in his life to be the president. Now, he got what he wanted. He got what he wanted. He wanted to die as president. He wanted to have president on his headstone, and that's going to happen. That was his lifelong goal, the only thing he cared about. He didn't care about you. He didn't care about his constituents in Delaware. All those years he wanted one thing and one thing only, to have president on his headstone, and that will happen someday. So I find it really hard. I was telling Nancy over lunch yesterday, I really think I should feel sorry for him. By really, I'm finding it hard to feel sorry for him because this is he put himself in this position. He decided he was going to do this. Hell, high water, windstorm, mental capability, embarrassment to himself, embarrassment to his family, embarrassment to his name, and danger to the country. Now, this is what I care about. I don't care if he's an embarrassment to his family. He's, an endang- he's, he's a danger to this country. And what's happening is that we have people running this country that we didn't elect, and we don't know who they are. Oh, I got my feelings about who they are, but we don't know who they are because we didn't elect them. An unelected rabble, a group that's unelected, is running the United States of America because clearly Joe Biden is not. He's looking for dead people. He's looking for dead people. And he's not a six-year-old in a Bruce Willis movie. He's a 79-year-old man who is the leader of the free world we should have that discussion when the president of the united states is looking for a dead woman in the room all right 210-599-5555 i gotta tell you about dr dallas broadway and the professional physicians over at broadway vascular what a great group of folks they are if you suffer from if you have pain and you suffer from problems with your circulation Broadway Vascular is here with minimally invasive procedures. Instead of these big old, very expensive and painful surgeries that people do sometimes, Broadway Vascular, these are outpatient procedures in most cases. They're minimally invasive. They want to keep you out of the hospital. They want to keep you well at Broadway Vascular. So if you have issues with hemorrhoids, if you have issues with leg ulcers or foot ulcers and leg pain because you have poor circulation, Contact the physicians at Broadway Vascular and get a consultation. Get a consult from them and talk about how they can, in a minimally invasive way, help you get better and save limbs and stay out of the hospital. That's Dr. Dallas Broadway and the physicians at Broadway Vascular, 210-465-7015. This is... 
Okay, as we were talking about the storm earlier, I was mentioning that because, you know, with the darkness and everything, it's hard to assess the damages and all that. And it's going to take literally days before we know the full impact of what happened with Hurricane Ian and whether or not he's actually going to be upgraded uh, posthumously, if you will, looking back at a, a you know Category 5. But we do know now, according to the Lee County Sheriff, the fatalities are in the hundreds in Lee County. And so... Um, so far, that's what they know. Uh, and, again, we have to say, we have to preface everything we say with so far because the information is going to be changing quite a bit, uh, quite sure, because of a storm of this magnitude, the strength of this storm, the power that this storm carried, uh, the kind of winds that this storm had, and that's what I was saying about it might be upgraded to a Cat 5. It came on shore officially as a Cat 4 at 155 miles per hour, Text 158 for it to be a Cat 5, and they believe that there were some places that actually had that happen, so they might go back and reclassify. Now, today, as we stand here today, um, he's down to about a 60, 65-mile-per-hour wind as a tropical storm, and they really, forecasters don't expect any kind of strengthening, even as he goes out over the warm Atlantic, that he won't be able to rebuild and reconstitute and you know get back to a Category 1. It'll probably stay a tropical storm moving up, to the mid-Atlantic and going back in somewhere in northern Georgia or into the Carolinas and then going over to the Appalachian Mountains and kind of dying over there. The Sanibel Causeway did collapse as the hurricane was coming ashore. Now, that's the causeway that we talked about yesterday that leads over to Sanibel Island. I'm very familiar with that island. The man who used to own this radio station, um, his family continues to own. He's, he's passed away, but his family now continues to own Waterman Broadcasting in that area, NBC Channel 2. And there's a story about NBC Channel 2, and I'll tell you that story a little bit later on. But um, uh, they were uh, certainly, uh, they they lived on that uh, island in, the, in that area, and that causeway did collapse yesterday. Now, we were told yesterday by officials that they had gotten everybody off of those islands just outside of Fort Myers, and I certainly hope that that's true because those islands had to have been just absolutely decimated, and those homes had to have been decimated. Uh, On the mainland of of Fort Myers, where it is, which is basically an island too, uh, and John Hayward told us that yesterday, Fort Myers itself is basically an island because it has water all the way around it. Uh, we, We have seen some video from yesterday, not really much video from this morning, a couple of pieces but from yesterday of the devastation in the water that was running down the streets of, uh, of Fort Myers, I told you about on my Facebook page, and anybody can access my Facebook page, by the way. I'm not limited to your 5,000 number and all that, so jump in there even if we're not officially friends. Uh, shark swimming up a street in, in Fort Myers. Homes completely uh, removed from their foundation and floating. And, um, and, and, of course, boats, because a lot of those people that live in that area have boats, and they were tied uh, tied up. And those boats have been removed, and then they're floating all over the place. It's just a a mess. The main thing they're concerned about right now is power and down power lines. Lots of questions about that. Governor DeSantis had pre-positioned close to 50,000 of those linemen there to move in and get ready to get busy. Well, they haven't been able to do that because of the flooded waters. But there's a lot of concern about how many of those lines may actually be in the water. And uh, if that's the situation and people get out and they start assessing the damage and they're walking around in water well you can only imagine what a down power line would do so uh, there are uh, warnings to not come out you know if you can stay inside stay inside unfortunately some of the homes are completely flooded 
Uh, we've been told that some folks were on the roofs and some folks were in the, the second story of their homes as well, trying to get away from rising water and uh, and homes that are completely full. And, and then uh, we're also told about businesses that have water inside of them as well. The cleanup, the rebuild is going to take forever. It's going to take a very long time, months and months and months. And we haven't even started to talk about supply chain issues, right? Trying to get lumber and steel and aluminum and workers. You know, we have a big worker shortage going on in this country. Trying to get workers there and get them positioned so that they can start the rebuilding effort. This is going to take a long, long time for the people uh, in Florida. It came ashore, again, the size of Ohio, the entire state of Ohio is a Cat 4, moved across the state into the central part of the state. And my friends, Ross and Hope, and in Helen uh, Torres, who we spoke with earlier, Ross and Hope are in Lakeland, which is halfway between Tampa and uh, Orlando, and Helen evacuated from Tampa to go up to Orlando, and she's staying in a high-rise hotel with her family. They said it sounded like a train came running through their living room all night long. It sound like they've never heard before. And both of them have been through these storms that have been through hurricanes and uh, have experienced this kind of thing before. So that's pretty much where we are. Uh, who is this? Lieutenant Kendall Dunn. Is that correct? And uh, Hurricane, um, let's see, Lieutenant Colonel, uh, Lieutenant Kendall Dunn is joining us on the Stevens Roofing Newsmaker Hotline, and he is a uh, hurricane hunter. Lieutenant, thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, good morning. Major Dunn, how are you? Major Dunn. Okay, great to have you on this morning. Thank you for your yes, time. Sir, my, my, my name is Trey, and it's good to talk with you. Uh, I just wanted to talk about, you know, hurricane hunters and flying into these storms. And uh, I don't know, did you did you actually make this mission? Was this one you went into? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, wow. I was in it yesterday. It was pretty uh, pretty intense. We we got it. Uh, it was about 50 miles from making landfall. So it was just about five hours or so from making landfall. And so when you when you do that, you know, how how is that? What is that like to fly an airplane into a Category 4? Yeah, so um, I tell you, this one was different than any other one I had been through. My first flight into um, a storm, we actually flew through a mesocyclone, which is an airborne tornado, and I thought that was bad. But, it, you know, it was pretty controllable. I know it sounds crazy, but this one yesterday, uh, be honest with you, sir, it uh, it rocked it rocked us. We had um, 12 crew and about, you know, eight media members, so we had about 20 folks on board. And uh, you have about six, seven people on headsets. And as we started to go through the storm wall on our third pass, we knew it was going to be bad. And uh, I told everybody to shut up, sit down, and I don't want to hear anything except me and the other pilot talking to each other, trying to get through it. And it it was rough. I'll tell you right now, we got through the eye wall and, and got into the center. Definitely took a, a, a breath. And if I could have taken a knee and had a drink of water, I definitely would have. Yeah, they say when you get into the – you know, into the eye itself, it's uh, pretty peaceful and can be actually sunny inside the yeah. eye. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. That's normally where you uh, take a break if you have to use the bathroom or uh, need to get a little something to eat. Throw it in the microwave, take a break. But yesterday it was just really intense. I had no time for that. It was it was really busy. The most intense you've ever been in? Ever, hundred percent. Matter of fact, um, we have a sister service, Noah. Everybody knows Noah, but they actually have. Uh, aviation as well and they have a p3 and they do research and they fly through slightly different missions um but we were in there basically the same time at different altitudes and they were doing some research stuff with a drone and uh when they got through 
and I'll just say it was kind of funny. Like I was trying to talk to him, and he said, "Stand by, eyewall." And I kind of giggled. I was like, "Huh." I remember my first hurricane, and then uh, they got through the eye. I said, "Man, that rocked us or whatever." And then and then I was like, "Yeah, whatever." And then we went through it, and I called them. I said, "Man, that rocked us." I felt like we should have been holding hands and hugging because we needed some sympathy between each other. But it was uh, it was very intense. They um, they aborted one of their inbound runs and went home. And I'll be honest, we, we were ahead of them on our last run-in, and I wish we would have aborted because it was terrible. Wow. Um, yes, sir. What do you experience when you're going through that? What happens to the airplane and you? Yeah, so, you know, most things, honestly, the uh, the airplane itself, you know, you get up in the upper atmospheres and jet streams, airplanes have no idea. You know, they're flying with a 200-knot tailwind or a 200-knot t- headwind, it doesn't know. It's going to fly basically the same. But for us, what happens, the closer you get to the eye wall, the stronger the storm is. Mentally, what starts happening, you cannot explain the amount of water that's airborne. I don't I don't understand it. I, you know, I read and try to understand it, but sort of amount of hail that's just hanging in the air. It sounded like we were going through, you know, a dump truck full of rocks was in front of you on the interstate just throwing rocks out the back. Just the amount of hail, rain. You look like you're underwater. Um We've all, like, you know, been in a boat and maybe stuck our hand in there or something, just the amount of water that's covering the airplane. Mentally, it challenges you because, you know, our uh, operator's manual in the WC-130J says, you know, avoid heavy precipitation. And guess what we do every time we fly in it? Um, so we, it, it's, it gets pretty intense. Of course, uh, most of us will never be put into that situation. So having you explain that to us, you know, we get on an airplane and we have a little bit of turbulence and you hear people kind of holler or make a noise or gasp yeah. for air in the cabin yeah. when there's just a little bit of turbulence, you know, and the pilots start searching for a place there. There's not turbulence. You talk about turbulence. You guys are pretty much beat to death up there, aren't you? Uh, yeah, we can be. You know, when people ask us all the time, like you do, it's like, oh, it's got to be terrible. And, you know, and there's bumps, but it just happens like, really fast, right? You have a similar taking off an airliner. If you're in a hot day, you get those bumps. We get those a little more extreme, but it's pretty quick in and out, in and out of bumps. But yesterday it was um, five minutes of almost, I mean, I wasn't terrified, but it was uh, basically like a pure Terry, like, man, I hope this thing holds together because we pushed the extremes of it yesterday. I was about to ask you, are your planes specially equipped for this structurally? Do they do anything with the winds uh, with the wing structure or anything? Uh, no, sir. The uh, these J models, uh, they're about twenty years old. You know, there's there's inspections that cover all that, but basically they're just a it's just a dump truck of a tough aircraft, been around forever. But basically, what we do is just slow down to we call it a turbulent uh, turbulent uh, penetration airspeed, mm-hmm. kind of similar mm-hmm. like. You know, if you go over a speed bump, you're not going to go over at 50. You're going to slow down to five kind of thing. So that's what we do, and the plane stressors can really take it. But the problem is when that aircraft starts going, you know, side to side and then turning uh, laterally, if you side load, if you can imagine, and it, it, it really gets your attention. It's not fun. How many six sacks did the, uh, did the folks in the back use? I'll be honest with you. Um, we were going through the eye wall. We're rocking pretty good, and our load master in the back said, "We have a puker." Yeah. And as soon as and as soon as he said that, my <laughs> eyes started watering, and I'm like, "Oh, I wish you wouldn't have said that." Uh, 
So anyway, we we had a couple of media on board, you know, carrying yeah. their. Uh, Nothing bags. smells worse than that up there, man. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, All right. Well, I'm glad they were on the way back. Yeah. Right. Well, we we are glad that you're safe on the ground, and thank you for peeling back the veil and letting us see what it's like to fly into the middle of one of these. And again, the major says it's the worst he's ever been in. Right, sir? Yes, sir. Hundred percent. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, uh, Major, and thank you for what you do. Absolutely. Appreciate you. That's Major Pilot uh, Major Kendall Dunn, 53rd Weather Recon Squadron, joining us here on KTSA. Back after the break, I want to tell you about our friends over at the Tank Depot. At the Tank Depot, you not only get outstanding service, you get a product that's built to last and help you have a constant supply of water. We are watching our friends and family over in Florida right now, and unfortunately many of them will not have water for several days. And the water that will be available, some of it is going to be contaminated. You see these stories about the shelves being completely emptied out anytime there's a disaster. We've had it happen right here. Everybody makes the HEB run. They grab every bottle of water that you can find. Well, if you had a tank on your property from the tank depot, you wouldn't have to water about a, worry about a constant water supply. You would always have a water supply for you and your, your family, and you know that water is life. And if you have an ag uh, you know, system where you're out in the middle of the country somewhere and you've got animals you've got to feed or you've got crops you've got to water, of course, our friends at the tank depot have gigantic tanks for that. If you have a, uh, a retail business and you'd like to stock and sell the tanks from the tank depot, they're looking for business partners as well. They're right here in San Antonio. They're in Dripping Springs and in Buda as well. Be sure you tell them Trey said hi when you give them a call to the Tank Depot, 210-648-3866. Getting a, a lot of response right now through my Facebook page and uh, through the email, treyktsa.com, about the interview I just did with Hurricane Hunter pilot Major Kendall Dunn with the 53rd Weather Squadron. He flew into Ian yesterday on reconnaissance and said, it's the worst he's ever been through. That interview is going to be posted around 7 o'clock this morning on the Treyware page at KTSA.com. That's Trey, T-R-E-Y, KTSA.com. You really got to hear that. His uh, account of what happened yesterday and going into the eye of the hurricane and flying an airplane into that hurricane yesterday. The many, many missions that he's been through, this was the worst, and he describes what happened. So you can get it on the Treyware page, KTSA.com, around 7 o'clock this morning. I hope you'll check it out. Uh, now that the sun is coming up over Florida, we're starting to learn the Naples area was probably the hardest hit, and officials in Fort Myers are more concerned about Naples right now. They say that they have a lot of highway signs down in uh, in Fort Myers. They don't know if they actually lost any homes, uh, but uh, we're, we're now hearing from the Lee County Sheriff that uh, the fatalities are in the hundreds. And so that number is probably going to grow as the day goes on. The damage assessment, of course, is going to change and grow as time goes on because we have not had full sunshine yet. The sun is now there. Daylight is there anyway, and people are starting to come out and assess the situation. Officials are trying to assess the situation. Unfortunately, they can't get to the areas right now to get the power back on. Governor DeSantis did pre-position linemen in the area to get the power back on ASAP, but with all the flooding going on, they simply cannot get the vehicles to where they need to be. But they're they're ready to do that the minute that the uh, water uh, recedes enough for them to be able to get to those areas and take care of the folks there. It is amazing when you actually do put your eyes on the devastation as Ian was coming on as a Cat 4 yesterday. 
and the trees that were snapping that it like toothpicks. They're just snapping it. And we're talking about palm trees. They're strong and they're resilient and they're tall. It takes a long time for them to grow as tall as they are. Um, and, and I know the central area of, of Florida very well, made many, many trips out there. I can tell you about a lady who's been working tirelessly, my wife, on clients that she's had at Disney World and in the central Florida area now and about what's being done to house them and get them out uh, at some point. Obviously, they sheltered in place at Disney World and the other hotels uh, in the area because it was just a safe thing to do. And it looked like that part of Orlando and that part of Florida came through pretty well last night, other than a lot of rain, a lot of wind, and the, the noise was incredible, I'm being told from people that are there. Uh, but now Ian is weakened down to a tropical storm, about 60, 65 miles per hour, and headed out into the Atlantic. And then we'll uh, make landfall again as a tropical storm in the next couple of days, uh, um, you know, mid-Atlantic area, up around the Carolinas or something like that. More details coming up as we roll forward this morning here on KTSA. I want to tell you about Lifestyles Unlimited, the real estate mentor group that is going to teach you how to invest in property, how to invest in real estate. We see what's going on with the economy. The economy's in a recession right now, right? And because of that, we see how hard the stock market is being hit every day. Some $7.5 trillion has been uh, removed from the stock market in the past 18 months. It's big. It's tough. It's hard. And folks who have their entire retirement wrapped up in a 401k or something like that in, in the stock market, they're getting hammered right now. Uh, your friends over at Lifestyles Unlimited just asked me to remind you that real estate is ongoing because people are always, always going to have to have a place to live. And that's where you can come in. You can invest in single-family and multifamily properties after you learn how to do so and make money with our friends at Lifestyles Unlimited, financialfreedomlivestream.com. And then you can really forget about the stock market. You can re- really forget about what much of the economy is doing and service your businesses, service your, your the, the properties that you are invested in, and uh, turn those properties as well for handsome profit and make yourself and your families really good living. In fact, to the point where I know people who've retired in about three years working in the program. Now, your results are going to vary, but listen, do what I did and sit down and watch this and learn a lot from our friends at Lifestyles Unlimited. Financialfreedomlivestream.com. Your promo code is my name, where. That's financialfreedomlivestream.com. Promo code where, W-A-R-E. I'm here. Guests right. of the 550 KTSA Morning News with Trey Ware appear courtesy of the Stevens Roofing Newsmaker Hotline. 653 now at KTSA. 550 KTSA 1071 and the Tradeware page at KTSA.com. Wow, what an interview with Hurricane Hunter pilot Major Kendall Dunn. Now, as I said was going to happen, the media, you know, they were going after Ron DeSantis and have been. They're going to go, well, first of all, it was all about how, you know, it's karma. It's karma. And then no matter what he did, it was going to be a crappy job because they started in a couple of days ago with that whole thing about, well, he's not prepared. He hasn't prepared Florida. ABC this morning. Oh, here's Joe Biden, and Joe Biden's ready to send assets into Florida to rescue Floridians. No, he's not. Joe Biden doesn't even know what day of the week it is. Ron DeSantis pre-positioned cell phone towers. Ron DeSantis pre-positioned linemen. Ron DeSantis pre-positioned firefighters and rescuers. Ron DeSantis did so much for the people of Florida, and he's been doing, is working on this for, well, about 10 days since the word first came out. 
that the worst hurricane probably since Hurricane Andrew in 1992 was about to hit. Joe Biden, meanwhile, yesterday was having an event at the White House, and he was looking for a dead woman. A dead woman. Yeah, you know how they do that, where they recognize the people that helped him on some legislation? And Jackie Walorski had helped him on a piece of legislation that they were recognizing yesterday, and he kept asking for Jackie. Where's Jackie? Jackie, where are you? And I want to thank all of you here, for, including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Now, I want to point out a couple of things about that. First of all, his mumbling, stumbling, you know, slurring his words, the whole nine yards, obviously, to me. In my opinion, they have him on some medication for this. Okay? That's my opinion. Uh, second of all, he was going through and he was calling out the last name, Senator so-and-so. Senator, well, I've got them right here in front of me so I can tell you who they were. But Senator so-and-so and Representative so-and-so. And he saw Walorski and he was afraid he couldn't say it. So he said, Jackie, where's Jackie? Jackie, where are you? And he returned to it. He came back and was asking again, where's Jackie? And then we got a slew of BS from Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday as she was going on and saying, well, yeah, he knew that uh, Congresswoman Walorski was dead, but, um, you know, he, she was top of mind for him, you know? And when somebody's top of mind, it's not unusual to be calling their names out. Really? Yeah, why not? What happened in the hunger event today? The president appeared to look around the room uh for an audience member, a member of Congress who passed away last month, he seemed to indicate she might be in the room. What, so, what so the president was, uh, as you all know, you guys were watching uh, today's event, a very important event on uh, food insecurity. The president was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. He had uh, he had already uh, planned to welcome the Congresswoman's family uh, to the White House on Friday. There will be a, a bill signing in her honor this coming Friday. Uh, so, of course, she was on his mind. She was of top of mind uh, for the president. He uh, looks very much looks forward to discussing her remarkable legacy of public service with them when he sees her family this coming Friday. Uh, so, you know, just a line of BS. And they weren't settling for it either. They continued to go back to it and ask, but she's dead, and he knew she was dead, and he sent a statement to the family when she died two months ago. So why is he asking about her being there at the White House event, you know? And and even one of them, James Rosen from over at Newsmax, said, you know, John Lennon's on my mind, top of mind every day, and I don't, I, I'm not asking for John Lennon. And I personalized this this morning, and I said, you know, both of my parents and both of my children are dead. They're top of mind every second. Every second. There's not a second that goes by and I'm not thinking about my kids. Not one. But I'm not walking around asking for them. You see, Joe's got an issue. <laughs> he's got a lot of issues. But he's got a brain malfunction, folks. And you know if Donald Trump had been standing at that podium asking for, say, John McCain. Where's John? John, where are you? Hey, John. I want to recognize you. Hey, John, where are you? You know that every shrink in America would be on every television station and every major network would be, oh, let's break it down. What's going on with Donald Trump? And we don't have to guess at that because we saw him do it over him drinking with two hands. Oh, he's drinking with two hands. Oh, the guy's shot. He's mentally shot. He needs the 25th Amendment get him out. Joe Biden can't hardly walk. He falls when he goes downstairs or upstairs. He falls off of his bicycle. Joe Biden, obviously, has a serious mental health issue.
And, of course, the Democrats, and that includes the, the you know, alphabet medias and all them, they refuse to even have this discussion. The greatest threat to our country right now is Joe Biden. The fact that he remains president of the United States in his mental capacity, or lack thereof. Where in Rima coming up, KTSA.